If you haven't figured it out, the title of the message this morning is Barriers. So we're going to look at that. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you so much for each person here. I want to thank you, Father, for the fun that we have in your house, worshiping you, sharing testimonies, laughing together. And that's what we should be doing as a family. And I praise you, Father, for that. I pray, Father, that you just take this message and help us to receive it as you would have us to and to digest it and to apply it and to experience the newness of you in our life in ways that we never thought possible because you give us the grace and the strength and the wisdom and the honesty to be able to look at barriers and remove them. And we do that through you and we do that for your glory. For we ask that you bless us in Jesus' name, amen. So last week we talked about drawing closer to God. We were talking about how it started with a certain frame of mind. Making sure that we're thinking right can have a big effect on how we're following God. We can say it another way, uh, if I know my heart is right with God, then that's a great frame of mind. But we, don't, we must be careful not to deceive ourselves and say, I know I'm right with God, when in reality we're not walking with God. Because we can fool ourselves into believing that, it is a, that we're, oh, we're good. I had a, years ago we were door knocking in Merced, and uh, we'd go up and say, hi, my name's Terry Glover, and this is so-and-so. We're from uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we'd like to know if we could share, uh, talk to you a few minutes about Jesus Christ. And sure, so these two guys are at the end of his drive, their driveway, had a, a nice chest of a lot of Coors beer, and just were, they were lit. <laughs> and the guy goes, the guy goes, uh, I said, so do you have a relationship with Jesus? Oh, yeah, we are good. We are really good. See, we can deceive ourselves into believing that we're good with God when in reality we're not really willing to look at the barriers to make us to have that deep relationship with God. Some of us might think, well, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm good with God. My sins are forgiven through the, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I'm good with God. But when I say, are we good with God, is, is are, we, are we having a relationship that's, that's intentionally rich in Jesus? That's what God wants. And we talked about last week about that desperateness, you know, as well. That we need to, need to have a desperate desire for a growing, deeper, rich relationship with God. So drawing closer to God starts with a desperation for his presence. Sometimes God doesn't feel close. And sometimes that's because of sin and barriers. And sometimes that's because, because God steps back and says, how faithful are you going to be to me? I'm here with you but I want it to be because of your commitment, not because of your emotion. You are are who you are in me because you have become that person. And so the circumstances don't don't change our relationship with God. And so we need to have that strong desperation and commitment to God. So last week we talked about how complacency will hinder a close relationship with God. We can become like the guy at the end of the driveway. I am good with God. That's a complacent attitude. That was a denying uh, answer that I got from him. Because the reality is he wasn't looking at his heart truthfully. He either knew what he was saying and just talking to me and says, I'm just going to play the game. We're good. Or he was thinking he was good, but he realizes that in his heart he really isn't. And so... Uh, we, we need to come to that place where we really honestly look at our heart and evaluate ourselves before God. And if we find ourselves being complacent about our relationship with God, 
And we can identify that by how we're living for God, how we're committed for God, how much time we spend with God. I mean, just talking to how, how do you talk to him all day? Do you, do you rely, on him, rely on him for everything? Um, is he integrated into every aspect of your life? Uh, are there areas of your life that you shut them out because it's too, uh, it's too personal or, or, or something that I just don't want you involved in? Uh, where are we in our commitment and our relationship with God? And when we find that we are complacent, we find ourselves not growing, not increasing in our faith, not growing in the depth of our relationship with God. And we become kind of even keel, normal stuff, this is what Christian life, life is about. I've got news. A Christian life was not meant to be this. Christian life is challenging, but the Christian life in Jesus, in the fullness of life of Jesus, is supposed to be here. Even when the circumstances around us are here, the relationship is here. Even though we are devastated here, the joy of Christ is here because we know that he's ours. And so we learn about the fullness of God and that relationship with him in spite of the circumstances that surround us. But if we find ourselves in a place of complacency, we are, that is a red flag. That is a statement that says, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I am not supposed to be content with just status quo relationship with God. I should be desperate for growing in my knowledge and my relationship and, and my love relationship with Jesus should be something that I'm passionate about serving. And that's what God wants for us. So complacency is a barrier. And today I want to talk a little bit more about barriers to a close relationship with God. That's what we're looking at. And I've been praying over this message, obviously, but I've been praying that, that the contents of the message, looking at barriers in our heart and our life and our relationship with God, it's not a favorite way of looking at, you know, we don't necessarily like that focus, but I've been praying that God would speak words of life into you, that there would be something that God would just bless you with, with a, a spirit of life and refreshment through this, that you would be greatly encouraged. So this start out with Deuteronomy 10, 14 through 16. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples, as it is this day. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. Now, yes, this was talking to the Jews, but you and I know that we are spiritual Jews. If you don't know that, know that. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we are, we are in him, and we are uh, a spiritual his people now, uh, a holy, royal, chosen people of God, just like Jews, okay? And so we are a part of this. So like the Israelites, God had, a cho had has chosen to lighten us. Like the Israelites, God has chosen to delighten us, and he expects us not to be stiff-necked. In other words, we're not to be hard-hearted, stubborn, cruel, or grievous to God or others. Interesting, being cruel to God is hurting God. Okay, you need to understand that. Even though we can look at that from an emotional standpoint, you need to look at that as a factual point. That when we're not what God is calling us to be, that we're in rebellion to him because we're holding on to those things that inhibit us from, from growing closer to God, 
then we are um, acting in a cruel way to God. We're, we're hurting our God, our Savior. And we need to take that seriously. So, um, Kathy and I have sometimes noted, just as a point of, point of note, because barriers, not dealing with barriers can hinge on stubbornness, right? So Kathy and I, um, we've, <laughs> we've noted stubbornness in our children and grandchildren over the years, right? right? And we've talked about it, and neither one of us can really understand where they got that stubbornness from. <laughs> Maybe the truth is neither one of us will agree on where they got their stubbornness from or whom they got their stubbornness from. I think they got a double dose is what happened. What happened. What I do know is, is that as a parent and as a grandparent, when the kids are stubborn and disobedient and not listening, what happens? As a grandparent or parent, we, we tended to pull back, right? Pull back from giving the things that might uh, bless them or things that they were asking for um, and, and, and pull back from being generous uh, over them. You know what I'm saying? No, I say, you're acting up, you're, being, you're behaving in a way that is not pleasing to me and you're being stubborn about it. So if you're going to act that way, fine, but I'm not going to give you the blessings or going to give you some, some good things that I want to give you right now okay? because you're in the wrong frame of mind. You're in the wrong frame of mind. And so our relationship is hindered during the battles of stubbornness that we have with God. I mean, we can, God can show us a barrier in our relationship with him, and we can go, hmm, right? Or we can go, hmm, and maybe argue the point. Or we can go, yeah, and then walk away. Or we can say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do about this area? What do you want me to do about this barrier? Because what God is really saying is, look, this is a barrier in your walk and your relationship with me that I want to help you remove so that you can have the fullness of life in me that I intend for you to have. So we're not being robbed, although the enemy will convince us of that. We are, we are being implored by the Holy Spirit to say, this is a barrier that's keeping you from growing closer to me and keeping you from experiencing the blessings I want to give you. And so when we look at that, we can say, well, that's something worth considering and looking at. Well, I was talking to someone this morning, I won't mention the name, but when dealing with diabetes or dealing with food that we love, but we know that it will mess us up if we eat it. Uh, sometimes taking a step back and going, okay, I know what I want. I know it's not good for me. I know the outcome of it, but um, I need to think about that before I, before I eat it. I know it's gonna make me sick or whatever, right? And as a diabetic, I know my blood sugars are gonna go up here. I need to think about it, right? So. Because removing that barrier of, of interjecting those things that physically are not good for, for us um, is a good thing. But leaving that in our life only hinders our health and our well-being. And so it can catch up with us very quickly. And so um, God may bring discipline to us when we are stubborn instead of blessing us like he desires to. Right? 
God may bring discipline to us. Ask yourself, and you don't have to dwell on it, you ever remember a time where you felt like God was disciplining you? You know, honestly, I don't really want to acknowledge that. that oh, I remember you were disciplining me here. But God disciplines us because he loves us. He's trying to get us to get past the hang-up or the, or the thing that's hindering our relationship with him. So I know when my kids are stubborn and disobedient, I'd have to discipline them and correct their behavior. And that's what God does with us. So, again, as a Christian, I don't want to be in a position where I'm placing myself under the dis discipline of my Heavenly Father. <laughs> That's kind of stubborn, isn't it? You know, I'm going to do what I want. I hear what you're saying. I don't really care. And God says, fine. <laughs> now what do you think? Oh, I still don't care. <laughs> you know? And until you get to where I need you to be, you won't grow anymore. You're going to need to get past this because I've brought it to your attention and you need to deal with it and you need to ask where your heart is with me. That's important. It's important. What Moses did, what did Moses tell the people in verse 16? He said, therefore, and we read that passage in Deuteronomy, therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Now, as adults, we know what the physical circumcision is, but it's an interesting wording here that Moses is using, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. So it applies to all of us. And so the cutting away of those barriers is like cutting away of the foreskin of our heart that inhibits our heart from being what God wants it to be. And so we have to be honest with ourselves. We only deceive ourselves when we're not honest with ourselves because God already knows who we are. So stop trying to fool him by convincing yourself that you're not what he says or you're not having this issue. But if we just take responsibility and look at it and trust God and that he loves us and he's trying to do a good work in our life to help us to have the greater fullness of him in our life and purpose in our life, then, then we can look at it and say, God's not here to beat me down. God's here to, God is here trying to work something wonderful in my life by helping me to get past this barrier. It's really uh, lifting the gates that block us from the fullness of blessing and richness in God. So the Hebrew word for foreskin is orla. And orla means barrier, means barrier. And God wants us to remove the barriers of our hearts. How we think, what we desire, and how we feel should be what? Pleasing to God. But that only happens as we yield ourselves to God, as we live for God. It doesn't happen because we necessarily say, well, I'm going to please God today. Because it's not our, um, our effort, our means in which we're able to please God. It's by yielding to God, growing closer to God, dying to herself, living for him, and allowing him to teach us his principles and his ways that enable us to think like he thinks. So when we learn in our relationship with God how to think as God is teaching us to think, our priorities, all those types of things, then our heart starts to think like God thinks. 
So it's not like, I'm going to think like God today. No, it comes through our relationship with God. But we have to be willing to look at those barriers. We have to be willing to circumcise the heart, right? And we need to cut away barriers and obstacles so we can know genuine, I love this, intimacy with God. Cut the foreskin of our heart that we might know, that cut away the barriers that interfere with an intimacy with God. God wants us to be intimate with him. God wants us to be so close to him. Who are we? The bride. And God wants us to be close with him. And that intimacy is rich and spiritual and eternal and relational. And God wants to fill us with that fullness. So what are the barriers of our heart? One of the number one barriers to our relationship with God is sin. We all know that. Sin separates, not loses salvation, but sin puts a barrier. It's like the kid who's being stubborn, bullheaded, and fighting, arguing his point all day, right? That just pushes away the relationship. And so we need to, need to understand that God wants to help us to have that closer relationship with him. King David, now after he had sinned with Bathsheba, King David knew how to deal with sin and keep his relationship with God. Remember Nathan, old Nathan with his, I, I envisioned this, this over um, bony old finger. You, you blew it. <laughs> you know, God had to bring Nathan into David's life to say, hey, wake up, stubborn one. You're not hearing God. You're not acknowledging God. You're not looking at the barrier that you created for yourself. So God sent me to tell you. I think God does that sometimes in our own lives. Somebody else has to speak up on our behalf and help us to <laughs> see where we're at. That hurts. It hurts no matter what. Circumcising your heart hurts when we deal with those issues. And so... King David, let's look at this in Psalm 51, 1 through 7. This is his heart after sinning with Bathsheba, after Nathan points it out to him. And, and we can read this as a matter of fact, word for word, but I can imagine the heart and the emotion behind it is quite deep. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire the truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I shall wither like snow. David was evaluating his heart. And he knew that there would be blessings in God's forgiveness of sin. The acknowledgement of, I really blew it here. But of any sin, of any barrier in our life that keeps us from progressing on in our relationship with God, when we acknowledge it, 
when we talk to God about it, when we are honest about it, and we listen to God, and we look to God, and God, by his power, will enable us to get past that barrier. Freedom. <laughs> Victory. Fullness of new life in Jesus increased as we follow him. Like David, when it comes to sin in our lives, we need to, one, ask for God's mercy on us, right? Two, we need to ask God to remove the sin. Three, we need to acknowledge our sin. Remember, we're not fooling him. <laughs> he already knows, right? It's a really an acknowledgement of ourselves before God. Recognize our sin as evil. Seek God's wisdom and knowledge. Accept God's cleansing. When we experience the cleansing, when we experience that forgiveness, when we experience the removal of shame and guilt, when we experience a, a freedom from that which once gripped us and, and, and held us in a stronghold, and that is no longer a reality in our life anymore, there is an exuberance of joy in seeing and reflecting on the love and the power of God working in our lives for him. Amen? Amen? I mean, look what God did. I never thought. And God did. And God has helped me. Circumcising our heart is good. It opens the door to a new life of blessings. So even though the message content is heavy and difficult to be honest about, we need to understand that when we are looking at those things, God is bringing, hey, look, praise God that God doesn't show us all the barriers all at once. It would crush us. There'd be no hope. But God shows us the barriers that he wants us to see when it's time for us to see them. When we're at a place in our spiritual walk, when we know that God is saying, I know now that you are mature enough to be able to talk about this and to deal with this and to apply what I lead you to do to eradicate this from your heart and from your life. 1 John 1.9 is an example of what, what, what David, King David did before God. And one of my favorite verses, one of the you know, most known verses, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and I circled the end, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me put this another way. When we honestly keep our heart in check with God, and we deal with sin as we God brings it to our attention. Sometimes we say, Lord, forgive me for saying that. I'm sorry I just blurped out. Or it's an issue in our life that we're saying, God, I acknowledge that. And we're talking about that. And I'm trusting you. And I'm working with you and letting you work in through me to give me victory from that. And to eradicate that barrier in our lives. This verse says, and cleanse us, us from all, or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It means when I confess my sin and there's nothing else that God's made known and I've confessed and repented of it, that not only are the sins that I've confessed forgiven, but everything that I'm not aware of. It's like a clean slate. Everything from that point on past, it's like you're back at go. You're back at go, free to go, joyfully go. We've dealt with that. That's behind. Move on. So if, we're, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just. He's faithful to us because he loves us. He's just because he's able to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we have that, that opportunity in him. I praise God for that. It's important to remember to accept God's forgiveness when you confess 
Don't wallow in guilt and shame. <laughs> have you ever been there? I have. You confess a sin, but you're so ashamed of sin that you won't give yourself a break to accept the forgiveness. We, somehow we've convinced ourselves that we have the right to beat ourselves up over sin when God has already forgiven. What we're saying is, God, your forgiveness is not good enough for me. I deserve more punishment. And so we become self-righteous over God and we say, I'm going to punish myself to make myself better. Does it make you better? No way. But when we can say, Satan, get out of my face because Jesus said, I have forgiven you. And Jesus said it, it's his word, and when he said it, he meant it, he said it, get out of here. I renounce you in the name of Jesus. Out. You have no claim. And then we start pushing back that so that we don't fall into the wallowing of our own pity and shame for our own sin when God's forgiven us. Oh, thank you, Lord. You forgave me. Of course, that came through your son's sacrifice on the cross. It's not good enough. It's like those that wagged their head against God and spat upon him. You are not good enough. We need to understand that. Because if we love God, we don't want God to feel like you're not good enough to forgive me. But we do want to be a faithful children that says, my father has forgiven me. I've confessed genuinely and you've forgiven me, and therefore I've been set free, and I'm going to walk in that freedom and victory in Jesus. I'm not going to walk in the mire and mud of my own self-inflicted guilt. And every time the enemy pulls it out and throws it in your face, you just slap it back in his to get out of here. I'm clean through the blood of Jesus. He's forgiven me, and my conscience is clear with God. That's what we need to do. That's part of that process to help circumcise the heart so that we can get rid of those things that Satan constantly hit us with to drag us down. God is all-powerful, loving, and merciful. When he forgives, he forgives. We are forgiven and need to accept it because he said it. Only the devil wants us to live in guilt and shame. Isn't that right? Hey, you know what? You received Christ as your Savior. Satan says, okay, I didn't keep you from that. Okay, I'm going to do my best to keep you from following God. Oh, you know, I didn't keep you from that. Now I'm going to try to keep you in guilt because of sin or shame. And it's our choice whether we don't let him have victory in that as well. You follow me? It's a choice. And we can yield to God and his grace and his love and his mercy and his uh, forgiveness and all the wonderful things that he is. He wraps his arms around us and says, um, go and sin no more. I think about my children growing up and your children. I don't think about your children, but you think about your children growing up and they're learning how to walk as new toddlers and they stumble and fall and maybe they get all dirty, whatever. They're outside. You don't go, stupid. What did you fall for? and just kind of grind them in the ground. You don't do that, right? God doesn't do that. The coach that was working with the, the kid that was laying on the ground that rolled like a log three times and laid on the ground because he's too top-heavy, kicking his foot, saying, I can't get up. And the coach came over and just picked him up, brushed him off, did good, patted him on the back, go ahead. See, that's our father. But Satan wants to do the other. 
Satan wants to say, you're stupid and wallow in it. God says, stand up. I'm brushing you off. Not brushing you away. Brushing you off. Go. Keep going. Guilt and shame will only act as another barrier that keeps us from the closeness with God. Other barriers to our relationship with God are our wounds and their scars. So we have sin, we have, we have guilt and shame, but now we have scars. When I had three major heart attacks 11 years ago, can you believe it's been 11 years since I had three major heart attacks? And I left my heart with only 50% of the heart muscle that's alive. And I have a lot of scar tissue, a lot of scar tissue. And the scar tissue on my heart acts as a restriction of the muscle. The muscle gets hard. It's a scab, basically. It's a scar. It's dead muscle. It has no flexibility to it at all. What's the heart do? To keep the blood out, right? So now I have only parts of my heart muscle that can flex. But I have 50% of my heart that doesn't flex at all. And that scar tissue acts as a restriction to that easy movement in my heart muscle. And it makes my heart hard, hard and stiff. And it makes it much more difficult for my heart to pump the lifeblood through my body that I need. So it's double working. Whatever, whatever is normal function for the day, my heart has to work double to accomplish that normal function. So that's what emotional, mental, and spiritual wounds do, or do to our spiritual heart. I have a physical heart that's damaged that unless God heals it, it's not going to heal. We have a spiritual heart that needs to be taken care of. And we have emotional wounds. Okay? And those wounds from the past, they're scars. And those scars can inhibit our spiritual well-being, our spiritual, the well-being of our spiritual heart in God. And it can make it difficult to be close to God and follow him. I've had people say, well, I don't, I'll come to church, but I'm not going to be a member because it's, it's, um, I've got bad experiences with church, and I'm not going that, that way. This is, this is what I've heard from people many times. I've heard people uh, say, well, I'm not even going to, you're a Christian? Oh, I've met some real good Christians, and you know what I'm saying, right? And they're scarred by them. But they allow that experience to keep them from being focused on God. And their spiritual heart now becomes restricted because they're holding on to the pain of the scar. And, the, and that scar makes their spiritual heart not function in its fullest capacity. Emotional, mental, and spiritual wounds and their scars can desensitize us and or harden our hearts towards God. The wonderful thing is about spiritual scars on a spiritual heart, they don't have to inhibit the spiritual heart. <laughs> because if you take care of the scars before God, then they're just scars, but they don't inhibit the spiritual function of the spiritual heart. You know what I'm saying? When we allow bad things in our spiritual life that have happened keep us from growing close to God because we're still hurt by that, then we're not dealing with it. 
But if we deal with it before God, who is our loving Father in heaven, and he helps us to get through that, the scar is there, the memory is there, but the effects of the scar are no more damaging to my life, my spiritual walk. It's no more an excuse. It's no more a, a gimmick and a trick of Satan to, to say, I, you know, you can hang on to the scar and you can just wallow in that. That's, that's what Satan wants, and God wants us to set us free from that. We become, we become wrapped up in our emotions about situations or people, and they begin to control our decisions or actions. They start, they start obeying. We start obeying our emotions before we obey God. We set ourselves up for spiritual failure. Our past hurts and wounds act like the scar tissue on my heart, my physical heart. It just inhibits from being all that God wants us to be in him. My heart obviously has difficulty moving my life, giving oxygenated blood through my body to help me live life. Our past hurts and wounds will restrict the Holy Spirit's life-giving power in us if we do not deal with them before God. That is a barrier. I've heard people say every excuse under the sun about not being committed to God, and it's always pointing at something else or someone else instead of just being responsible for who they are before God. And just saying, whatever is whatever, but my relationship with God is most important. So whatever goes on around me, whatever happens, I'm going to deal with it before my Lord. And I'm going to keep following him. And not allow my emotions to, to lead me away from God. Everybody has life scars on their heart. I can kind of see it in, in the congregation. I, I can see the body movement and the acknowledgments that people have life scars here we all do and the wonderful thing is unlike our physical heart and i've already said that the scars on our spiritual heart don't have to interfere with our relationship with god they will if we let them but they don't have to and so we have to deal with that before the lord and if they're not taken care of they will obviously interfere with our walk with god and the purpose that God has for us and the high calling that God has on your life and my life as believers in Christ. We're all under a high calling of Jesus Christ on our life. God has a progressive reach for us to reach the potential and the fullness that God wants us to be here this side of heaven. But it's our choice. Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the, heart, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You see, cutting, cutting the barriers away, circumcising the heart from the barriers that we're talking about here, even though they're painful to deal with because it takes humility before God, it takes honesty before God, it takes dealing with issues that are not comfortable but God, that, that circumcising act is not comfortable. But it is profitable in a sense. It is beneficial. It is, it is to bring goodness and fullness of life in Christ Jesus when we are willing to circumcise 
our heart before God. But we must be willing to go through the process of looking and being honest and being humble and taking responsibility and letting God counsel us because the Holy Spirit's our counselor and our comforter and dealing with all that we can to make sure that you and I and our personal relationship with God are good. Not good, but good with God. Because living for God in the fullness of him is the key to the fullness of life that brings glory to God. And it's, our, it's, it's what we need to determine. And it's up to us. God's not going to force us to follow him. When we live with hurt feelings and wounds, our hope is crushed or deferred. It's delayed. Our hope is delayed. We just need to seek God's healing for our hurts and wounds. We cannot let wounds fester in our hearts because that's what people do. What happens when a wound festers and you let it keep festering? It usually gets worse and the scar becomes bigger. So we need to make sure that we take care of it as soon as we can so we don't have those scars to deal with, at least to that degree. We start with talking with God and asking him to reveal to us whether we have any fault in these accounts, these wounds, and then we confess them to him. Next, if there are people involved, we must try to make peace with them and deal with the hurt through a genuine love in Christ for them. That means a right Christian heart, a right Christian heart, a heart that's in fellowship with God, seeking to make things right with those that we have been offended with or are offended with us. And when we make our effort, God is pleased with that. Whatever the recipient does with it is up to them and God. You follow what I'm saying? We do our very best to make it right with a genuine right heart in God. And they either receive it or reject it, but we've done what God has called us to do. And so we are that type of a people. Seeking a fullness of life in God, think, uh, seeking a, a peaceful relationships, seeking to, to um, just reach that full potential again that God has for us. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says this, get rid of all bitterness, passion and anger, no more shouting or insults, no more hateful feelings of any sort. Instead, be kind and tender-hearted to one another and forgive one another as God has forgiven you through Christ. There's the meter. If we ever find ourselves not forgiving somebody, ask ourselves of God how much God has forgiven us. And then when we recognize that we can't even accumulate the amount of stuff that God has forgiven us for, then what right do we have not to be forgiving toward others? And if we don't forgive... Scripture says God won't forgive us, and that doesn't mean losing salvation. What that means is this, because our sins are paid for through the blood of Jesus. It means that if we have a hard heart that doesn't want to forgive, what happens is that we, do not, we don't enjoy the benefit of God's grace and mercy on our own walk when we ask him for forgiveness. I'm not going to give that to you so readily here. I'm not going to clear your guilty trip so easily because you're not willing to forgive others. And you can say, God, is hard. Yeah, but not impossible. Why? 
because God who lives in us empowers us to do what he calls us to do. We don't have to rely on ourselves. Rely on him. Notice that it said get rid of all, right? Get rid of all these things. That way our wounds don't fester and make things worse. We need to seek God's transformation of our hearts. We need to let him remove all the barriers. When we know that we are a, are, there's nothing, no dark cloud over us of sin or guilt or shame, when we know that we have done our best to keep a right heart with God and wherever we've messed up, whether microscopic in our minds or humongous in our minds, doesn't matter. So long as we've taken care of it before the Lord and our conscience is clear before God, that's what God wants us to do. Because when we have taken the responsibility to take care of these things in our lives, then we have the opportunity for God's blessings on us. Look at Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and a new mind. I will take away your stubborn heart of stone and give you an obedient heart. God will refresh us with a newness that doesn't come from our own effort. It comes from him. He'll give us wisdom that comes from the throne of God in heaven, not from wisdom of the world or our own calculations. He'll give us comfort that comes from God that's eternal and not temporal or conditional. He'll give us a heart that is tender in a way that God wants our hearts to be tender for him and for other people. Praise God for that. God can and will help us remove the barriers that stand in the way of our relationship with him. No excuses to be hung up on except one, our excuse not to deal with it. <laughs> Follow me? We can either walk with God and pursue the fullness of God in our life and the high calling he calls on our life, each one of us, by dealing with things in our own sinful behavior, dealing with circumstances in a way that's filtered through God and his grace and his counsel. And we can have that and we can experience that new heart, that new mind. We can, we can see a stubbornness removed from us that is liberating. We can see a greater heart of obedience in our life to God. God can and will help us remove the barriers that stand in the way of our relationship with him. It all starts with a sincere, sincere prayer and going on with what King David prayed in Psalm 51.10. Create in me a pure heart or create a pure heart in me, O God, and put a new and loyal spirit in me. We, we often hear create in me, or create a pure heart in me, right? I want, a, I want a new pure heart, but put a loyal spirit in me. Oh, I love that. Create a pure heart in me, O God, and put a new and loyal spirit in me. So let's ask God to remove the barriers in our relationship with him and with others. And that will only bless us. That will only enrich us. That will only empower us that much more to walk with and in Jesus, living the life that he intends for each one of us to live this side of heaven. Praise God for that. Let's go to the Lord. Father, I want to thank you that 
you know who we are. You know the world we live in. You know the sinful nature that we contend with. You know that we are but durst and frail and, and, uh, uh, and vulnerable. You know the things that we have to deal with in our own personal lives. But you were right there as our Father, as our God, and whom we can go to and talk to about anything in the deepest of detail about anything, no matter how personal, no matter how embarrassing, no matter how vile, no matter what it is, we can talk to you about everything in dealing with these barriers. And so I thank you that you introduced those barriers to us, not to frustrate us, but to help us to see that you were trying to help us re to uh, remove those barriers through you, that we might know the fullness and the richness and the blessings that, of life that you want to bestow on each one of us. And so, Father, help us to circumcise our hearts. That's a lifelong endeavor of being honest with you, but knowing that we can fall right in place in the security and the love and the never-rejecting uh, presence of you, our Father in heaven. We praise you for that. We are secure in your, you. We're safe in you. We're never rejected by you. We're your children, and you love us with a love that's immeasurable, and you know all about us, and we can talk to you about everything. And because of that, Father, we can talk to you about these barriers, and you can counsel us and give us insight and grace and strength and empower us to break through those barriers and experience you in a greater way than what we've ever experienced and know the fullness and greater ways of life that you have for us to experience in you and for your glory. So, Father, thank you for what you do in our heart out of your love for us and help us to love you back with all of our heart, with all our mind, and with all of our soul and with all of our strength. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. Amen.